genre. the doctor's companion i'm cass fredrickson i'm rick jimenez <laughs> and i'm scott Crelly. is is the rick jimenez thing is this like a a joke about like 10th doctor versus 14th doctor or i don't know yet i'm figuring it out okay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe i'll maybe i'll stop when he regenerates into chudy got one next week maybe i won't i don't know all right all right fair enough that's fair <laughs> how um, long how long was rick racing the thing like a year Okay, maybe we'll do it for a year. <laughs> uh, today, today we're going to be talking about um, the second of these 14th Doctor specials, Wild Blue Yonder, written by Russell T. Davies and directed by Tom Kingsley. Mm-hmm. I don't think we mentioned it, did we, last week that Rachel Talali directed that, or did we? I think we did. Okay. Yeah, I think All we right, did. Cool. All right, cool. Um... Yeah, this is like a first for Tom Kingsley, who has just directed like, I don't know, a few episodes of stuff here and there. He's directed, you know, like they do like whole series. I guess he's like the main director on that um, like BBC Ghosts show. Ooh, okay. Uh, Did that come after the American one or before the American one? Before, like always. But but also, I'm pretty sure, I I don't know for, I'm not positive because I don't watch, I don't watch either one. But but I think it was only like one series of the BBC, so like six episodes and that was it. And then they remade it on for the CBS show and it's been like now we're like two or three seasons deep on that show with like 22 episodes a season and then they like made a second season of the BBC one <laughs> like i like there there's only like 12 episodes of the BBC one and there was like 3 years apart between seasons or something like that and in between that time they remade the show and like made four times as many episodes as the BBC one did <laughs> a yeah. living testament to the two styles of uh, uh, because <laughs> yes. Uh, back home over the holidays, been watching more broadcast television than I normally do. Sure, and so seeing the ad, they've been they've been they've been promoing the the BBC or the B, the UK version of Ghosts. Mm-hmm. And for a second, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Did they remake the American version? That's that's a fun little. Oh yeah, universal. no, they're just airing it on American television for the first time to fill the gap left by the strike stuff. So they're like, yeah, we don't have American ghosts. So I guess we'll just we'll we'll re-air the British one. Whatever. <laughs> you guys want to watch the Christopher Walken Peter Pan again? We got that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else is in here? Just like digging around. <laughs> what else we got? <laughs> it's a few old Stephen King miniseries. You guys want one of those? <laughs> well, I am. Uh, yeah. Um. So feels really good to have another episode of Doctor Who already uh, mm-hmm. right after that last one because we went we've gone a very long time because it was since Flux 
that we've had two episodes air in a row. Yeah, SF, we'll call it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, SF, since Flux. Since Flux. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, and that was two years ago? Um, over two years ago? Because it was you know, like October 2021, I think, is when I don't Flux know, aired. I don't, know if, I don't know if either of you do this. Yeah, Cass was very alarmed by that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, uh, so, several times this year, whenever, you know how the brain, the roller coaster of having a brain, uh, sometimes I'll tell myself that like, oh, you didn't do anything this year or, oh, you're, you're so unproductive or, or whatever. Right. And I'll say, you know what? We have increased our output of geek by night by like 200% this year already. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> At least on the Patreon, <laughs> on the Patreon. Yeah. Like yes. asterisk, asterisk. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, like TDC, we've already done like twice the amount of TDC that we were doing like six months ago. It's <laughs> very true. Can't that cannot be argued. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so Wild Blue Yonder, this was uh, uh, sort of highly touted as like the weird one of the three specials. Um, uh, unlike anything that Doctor Who uh, had had been done before, um, or so they said, and. Um. Yeah. So can I? Um, I had to. I had to talk so much at at the gate, but um, it's interesting. While when we were recording and we were talking about Wild Blue Yonder, I really didn't have any expectation for it. But as soon as I like opened up my phone, that was when I started seeing like interviews with Russell T Davies and David Tennant calling this like the weird one. Yeah. And I don't know how how online you guys have been over the holidays, but. Like the fandom was going like buck wild with like, oh, this is the one that there's no footage of in any of the trailers. Right. Like maybe they'll run into Chudi Gatwa and Ruby. Right. Like, are we are we going to see Matt Smith? Right. And so were either of you aware of any of that fan hype going into the episode or were you more or less blind? Fresh. Pure. Um, I'm not on Twitter anymore, so I have basically heard nothing about this yeah it's nice yeah um i did hear all of that but i kind of just rolled my eyes at all of it because i was like Mm -hmm. they're not gonna do that like (laughs) i i i i'm like i've been a doctor who fan long enough and i've heard i've i've listened to the fandom get themselves up in a fervor with like uh theories and and like oh what if this doctor's here and then blah 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 and and it never ends up being that ever it's always just a very straightforward story mm-hmm. always 100% of the time um and so i just i just didn't buy any of that and i was like no there's just something weird about the episode they don't want you to know about before you watch it that's all that's all the it boy is. was there. Yes. And that was, that's all it was. <laughs> um, and that's not to take anything away from the episode, the episode rules, but it's, uh, it's not like, I think people were getting hung up on the fact that this is, these are like supposedly 60th anniversary specials. Um, and so I think everyone was like, Oh, like we're going to do like all this stuff. And I'm like, no, we're already doing it. We're already doing it's, it's you you have the doctor and Donna back together again. Right. It's David Tennant. Right. And Don, that's, that's what the 60th is. We're, we're, we're getting the culmination of that story finally after 15 years. That's all. That's yeah. all it is. Chill. Everybody chill. <laughs> Someone, uh, a friend of mine, anecdotally, just she asked me, um, I was like, oh, uh, later on, I'm going to record my Doctor Who podcast. And she was like, oh, how was the 60th anniversary special? 
and I stopped and I'm like, there kind of wasn't one or there's kind of like f- three of them or four of them. Yeah. Like, I don't even know if Star Beast came out on the day, on the 60th anniversary day. No. Yeah. So two days, like, two days afterward. But yeah. So like, would you call Star Beast the 60th anniversary special the way you would call Day of the Doctor the 50th anniversary special? Um. Yes and no, I guess. I mean, that is what it is. That's why they're doing this is for mm-hmm. the 60th anniversary. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it didn't come out on the day because the day was Thanksgiving. Um, so it's like this whole party is the 60th. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah. This whole this whole thing. And I think that's why uh, Russell D. Davies was like concerned about like, oh, am I doing enough for the 60th? And that's why they did that. Um, exclusive to England. Uh, 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 what is it called? Tales of the TARDIS thing with like yeah, all the, the like, old... retrospective that they're yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah, with all yeah. the with all the old companions and and uh, classic doctors and stuff. Um, where they're like looking back at old adventures, but then like just airing the old adventure, I guess. Um, and from what I understood from like our our overseas listeners, they're like, you're not really missing much, um, is is what my understanding is. So that made me feel a little bit That's better. That's too bad. Yeah. Well, yeah. But I mean, they're literally just like introducing a story we've already seen before, oh, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's all it is. They're just like, ah, remember when we did this? And then they're like, yeah, let's watch it. <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah, so I, I think that that was probably his concern, but also like not for nothing, but there's not really anything special about a 60th anniversary, you know? Um, like, I feel like our next like special anniversary will be like the 75th anniversary that Mm. feels momentous in some way. Um, you know, when we get that 15 years from now, uh, but yeah, I don't know right now. It's just sort of like, okay. (laughs) Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, Day of the Doctor only being 10 years ago. I guess that isn't yeah. that long ago in the scope of who, in the scope of time. Yeah, but I I feel good about what we're getting, you know, so. Oh, heck mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, Yeah, so anyway. Yeah, so, but yeah, so so uh, Wild Blue Yonder, um, I, I think the first thing that I want to talk about, just because I don't want to forget to talk about it, and right now it's on my mind, um, I know that the TARDIS is playing Wild Blue Yonder, the song. Right. Um, but like, do we think that there's any other significance to the title and the use of the song? The song, which is the anthem or like theme or whatever for the U.S. Air Force. Um, that's what it's most known for. Um, so Nick, your dad Scott, was probably very well aware of what what that was. But did you did you watch this episode with subtitles by any chance? Uh, no, I did not. I did. So I did too because without wanting to, and I never know how to turn off subtitles on Disney Plus. And, <laughs> um, and I use my father, the veteran's account, and so I ah. think he he is able to maybe do it from his phone because he has the account, but I. I can't figure out how to turn off subtitles in Disney Plus. So I did watch this on with subtitles, even though that's not my huge. And at some point, Scott, during the part where the TARDIS door swings open and the fire shoots out, um, 
there's a subtitle that reads U.S. Air Force song plays. Yeah. And then it starts to play Wild Blue Yonder. Right. Because I didn't know that that's the, that was like the official like anthem of the Air Force. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't just... know that until I like looked. I looked up like the significance of the Wild Blue Yonder song, and I was like, "The U.S. Air I'll Force." That, <laughs> I'll have to ask my dad. Is like, did they ever make you like sing that outside in the cold, like for punishment? They <laughs> probably made him listen to it a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, he goes into like Winter Soldier mode, but I just mentioned it. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Wild Blue Yonder, Yonder. <laughs> binary, binary, binary. <laughs> He just starts like marching out like the Terminator yeah. out of your house. Oh no! And you're like, Dad, no, where are you going? <laughs> oh, who sang the fucking song? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but yeah, what do you? What do we think is the significance to this song in the in the episode? Is it just like, like, oh, like the the TARDIS like went off on its own and it's blue and it's in the wild and whatever? Or is it? Is there a more is there a deeper significance than just like the fact that blue is in the title? I I think that um, it has to do with the fact that they're like at the very very edge of the known universe, like because mm. that song is about like you know discovery and and going you know like going where no man has gone before. Um, <laughs> so like I think it's that, and I also for when they were trying to figure out uh, what was happening. Before they realize, mm-hmm. like before the doctor realizes where they are, at first I thought it was like they were underwater. Um, so I'm not sure if that misdirect was like on purpose or not because I was just like, oh, like I don't know, because um, I thought they were on like a big submarine for a little while until they figured out that they're they're in space. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not a huge. I mean, star- if we learned anything from Star Trek, there's not a big difference between space and yeah, yeah. deep sea. Yeah, so. Yeah, in terms of um, logistics. Uh, if so. I if I may, gentlemen, I did pull up the Wikipedia page for the U.S. Air Force song, uh-huh. which is its official title, often referred to as Wild Blue Yonder. Uh-huh. And I've just been skimming through the lyrics because there's a reoccurring conversation in, in the episode about whether or not this is a song about war mm-hmm. or a song for soldiers to sing and whether it's appropriate for children to sing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because... On the one hand, I'm like, I'm, there's lyrics like, here's a toast to the host of those who love the vastness of the sky. To friends, we send a message of the brave who serve on high. And it does kind of have that sweeping, like like what Scott said, like the TARDIS is further than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going back to the doctor's wife, it chose the doctor because the TARDIS wanted to go off and explore and be a rebel. Mm-hmm. Um but then there are like, exp- there, re- there are explicit le- references to like those who we've lost in the war you know, get your gun, give them the gun, give them the gun down. We dive spouting our flame from under off with one hell of a roar. We live in, we live in fame or go down in flame. Nothing will stop the U S air force. Hmm. And it's like, okay. Yeah. So it is explicitly going back to Mrs. Bean's argument. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the doctor kind of which walks that line between explorer and soldier sometimes Mm -hmm. in the show. Yeah. Um, so, okay, Wild Blue Yonder. Uh, everyone, everyone is pointing out the mid is is making the midnight comparisons. Yes. Um, I mean that is that is like everywhere. 
which is great because like, you know, the great thing about Midnight, you know, if, if anyone listening to this is not aware of that episode by title, um, it's the episode where uh, the doctor by himself in, C- in series four, um, Donna is on vacation. He takes a trip on an airplane thing and there's and then there's like somebody on it gets like turned into an alien or possessed by an alien or something and then starts like copying him. Um, and it's like just a real creepy episode and it's all about like tension of the people on the ship and like, let's just throw her out of the ship and, you know, we can't do that. She might still be human, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it's that episode, uh, it's an episode called Midnight and, um, this, what I liked about this as a, as a companion piece to Midnight, because I very much feel like that's what this is. Uh, you know, sort of thematically and uh, the monster is very similar. But I like that Donna's in this one, you know, because that last one was a was a, a companion light episode. And so um, to, as a as a companion to turn left, which was a doc, doctor light episode the following week. Um, so, yeah, I like that they're both in this and they both get to be in midnight now, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Part of me, it almost makes me wonder if there's going to be some turn left comparisons next week in the giggle. Um, oh, yeah, that's interesting because it kind of carries over. You know, a lot of fans noticed last week how the Star Beast was very reminiscent of, and we talked about it on the show, of like the Runaway Bride or the Christmas Invasion or and or uh, Partners in Crime. Partners in Crime, yeah, yeah. And so I kind of, I wonder how intentional that is. I mean, each of these specials sort of catching the vibes of classic RTD Donna Tenet episodes. Right. Is it that, or is it just that Russell T Davies is like, no, I just, I do a certain, <laughs> I have a structure to my seasons <laughs> and I'm still sticking to it all these years later. Um, I don't know. Uh, but I'm, yeah, I really liked this as a companion to Midnight, and I just think that this episode is cool and creepy, and I love that there's there's a monster in this, but we don't ever get to really see a monster because it's just them mm-hmm. acting against themselves. Like, everything about this is so creepy, um, and as much as the visual effects don't, they don't look up real 100% of the time in this. I almost feel like it it adds to the otherworldly weirdness of this, um, especially when they're running down that corridor and their copies are like becoming giants. Mm-hmm. Um, it just is like it just adds to like, what am I even looking at right now? <laughs> you know, um, it's wild. Uh, so, yeah, I just I I loved this. I loved all the stuff with Doctor and the doctor and Donna and their conversations and um uh there's other like deep seated um uh 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 stuff that I want to get into speaking of flux mm-hmm. um but let's let's save that for a little bit later and just talk about kind of like broadly the episode um but yeah I loved this I don't know if I loved it more than last week's episode I just thought cuz it's so different it's hard to compare the yeah. two um I I just I love them both a lot so I really loved this one too um, Cass, what did you think? I really liked this one. Um, I'm also kind of in the same boat. Like, I like them both for different reasons. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like, I don't know which one I like more. Um, but I 
love that the like quote unquote like budget episode looks so expensive still. <laughs> like yes. they they when they walk into the corridor, I literally I was just like, holy shit! Like like it looks so good. Um, yeah, and I the the. The like funhouse um, quality of the like the CGI when they're when they're running away from the the not things um, made me laugh because which was good because otherwise I think it would be like almost too scary for like kids you know like because like the 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 awkwardness of some of the CGI kind of broke the tension a little bit but not in a mm. way that like took me out of it entirely so, so I liked that. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I I always feel like when it's like a really good episode, I don't have a whole bunch to say about it because it was just like, yeah, that was great. I liked it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll dig in. Yeah. Uh there there's plenty to talk about. Nick, what were your thoughts? Um yeah, I I just thought this was a brilliant hour of Doctor Who and I have so much respect for it. Um you know, I was talking last week about how fun and what what a confection the Star Beast was. And I was perfectly happy with the other two episodes being just fun parties, like, oh, we're hanging out with our friends mm -hmm. again. But to turn, you know, take a hard left turn and and do something that is like up there with the most experimental episodes of Who that exist. And... I just I couldn't help again going back to the, like the internet the fandom. I thought it was ironic in the coolest way that an episode that so many people were convinced was going to have like Capaldi cameos or Matt Smith cameos was a highlight of these two brilliant mm -hmm. actors. Mm -hmm. And watching them play off each other, Cassie, you were talking about like it's I, it's so awesome that you laughed at. <laughs> them getting that was the scariest thing really? i've ever seen in my life <laughs> it, i mean like it is scary because like the like the cosmic horror of it is scary but like this the the cgi was like just wonky enough that i was just like oh this is really funny like <laughs> i i earnestly had the thought for like a few seconds i'm like what if tomorrow i'm we sit down with scott and Cass and they start talking about the episode and it has nothing to do with this <laughs> What if this isn't the episode? What if I'm crazy? <laughs> what if I just vividly hallucinated for an hour? <laughs> yeah, like this isn't the episode. This isn't real. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, yeah, so I, I I loved it as well. And yeah, I can't wait to talk about the fuck mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Um. So this one's gonna be hard to break down, but let's start. Let's let's try our best and start with uh, start at the top with the. Um, Isaac Newton sequence, which I don't really like. It's fun and it's funny and it's very charming and and very Russell T Davies. It's also well, it's interesting because I was I was like I was mixed on it. I was like, is this more Russell T Davies or does this feel more Moffaty? Um, and I couldn't quite figure out which side of the seesaw I landed on with it. Um, but uh, it was fun. I just don't know what it had to do with the rest of the episode. Um, I think it's going to be paid off in the next one when oh. they like because Donna just starts calling gravity Mavity, which is really funny. But I think that it it is probably going to be paid off next time. Oh, I I saw a tweet that said they wouldn't mind if that became like the Hollywood in BoJack Horseman, <laughs> <laughs> or just 
for the rest of the show, they just everyone referred to it as Mavity. <laughs> um, I guess I liked it because it is such a light moment in what would turn out to be a very a pretty heavy cerebral mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I do now that you say it though, I can't help but get Moffat though. I'm like it is a little Moffat. You can imagine Amy and Eleven having this yeah. adventure happen. Yeah, totally. Guess what do you think? Yeah, I I don't know. I'm wondering if it's just like, like Scott was saying, like RTD has like a very specific structure that he uses. So he's just like, here's the tiny historical thing. And then we're going to go do the the far future. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, um, man. And so then they, they get stuck, right? And we get that scene, the pretty, uh, up, uh, the pretty dramatic scene up the front where they, they, the, the TARDIS mm-hmm. disappears. Mm-hmm. They're exploring the ship and the TARDIS disappears. Yeah. Yeah. We got like, like it and it's sort of chill because it's like, oh, like the the TARDIS is on fire, but he's going to like reset it so it regenerates. But like, you know, he's got to use a sonic screwdriver or whatever. And he's like, okay, it's good. It's going. It's going. Mm -hmm. We're good. Let's just go like walk around, waste a couple hours and come back. Um, And when they start walking around, you get that. That's when you get the conversation about like them both agreeing that Isaac Newton mm-hmm. is hot. And then he's like very surprised by that, which again also makes me wonder, like, is he actually like, what if he's not actually the 14th doctor? Like, what if he is, he has regenerated into shooty, but like something is like covering shooty, oh. you know? Like it's like a like there there's something that's like and that maybe that's celestial toy maker related or for next week or whatever, but um it made me wonder if like, oh, is he like is he like in there and he just doesn't for something stopping him from fully being like released coming mm-hmm. out? Um, I don't know. Just a thought I had during that whole conversation. It almost seems to me like it might be the opposite of like the opportunity to wear an old face, but be more because there's that scene where he like grabs Donna's hands and like kisses them out of like tenderness. Mm-hmm. And it just goes back to like him saying, I love her. She's my best friend in the whole wide world. And 14 just seems to be much more vulnerable and open than mm-hmm. 10 was. Right. And so maybe it's almost an act of healing of like doing this with an old face that was very repressed or very. Yeah. I don't know. Cass, what do you yeah. think? Um, I think someone I saw this online somewhere like someone was pointing out that the um, the the kissing of the hand thing is something that Matt Smith kind of did a lot. Um, so mm. I'm like, I think it's cool that he's like, it doesn't feel like like 10 again. It feels like a natural progression, which we kind of talked about last week. Like, it feels like a natural progression of this character that we've been hanging out with for the past 15 years longer um and then like how because like when because because when we're talking about 13 like 13 13 was very like open and and like affectionate about about some things and then she was also like extremely guarded like much like much more than i think um the doctor ever really was um like up to that point so i think that like maybe it I don't know. It it works for me. Like it feels like a very natural like 
response to 13 and how 13 deal like dealt with with everything um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's yeah yeah and but like but but i think i think they are saying this like there is a reason that this is David Tennant's face again, and that is weird, right. and that's not supposed to happen. Yeah. Right. So we're going to find, hopefully, why next week. And like Scott said, maybe it is the toy maker, or maybe it is some weird, like, I've already regenerated, but there is some kind of, like, residual what's-its going on. Right. I still think that it's that thing that they established in Classic Who where female Time Lords can pick what they look like i I still think that and like it it might be like a plot thing but i i like that even if they never explain it like that's my headcanon for it It, it's also interesting too because i think that there's um this is the only time in doctor who history that we've already known who's next and so we know that 14 is sandwiched between uh, an emotionally repressed, emotionally immature woman and a gay black man. Um, and so it's it's like it's almost like he Russell T. Davies is like designing he and David Tenner designing 14 to like bridge the gap between those two things mm-hmm. to and and it's working really well because he's getting to like write that into the character because he knows where he's coming from and where he's going, which you never do typically with right. Doctor Who. Right. Yeah, so I just think that that's really interesting because um, it is a one of a kind concept, I guess, um, so far in the history of the show. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I just really like his performance. Just really stuck out in this one. I feel like he was a lot more tennish last week, um, and this week it's more like he feels like he's coming into his own as like the 14th doctor what separates mm. him um did you guys watch the behind the scenes stuff that was on youtube for no. this not yet no so one thing that is interesting that i i found interesting in that um is that they showed uh you know because they wanted to show how the visual effects worked and all of that so they were showing early animatics of like the 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 scene where the giant versions of them are like chasing them down the corridor um and it's like anima- early animatics. Um, and so they didn't know what the 14th Doctor's look was going to be yet. And what I found interesting was that it was Tenant, but he had like a he had like a five o'clock shadow and he had different hair and his outfit was like 10 inspired, but it was much more just like dark gray, no stripes, just like kind of basic. Mm-hmm. Um, where it was like very different from 10, uh, which I thought was really interesting, sort of like more so accentuating the fact that while he is David Tennant, he is a very different doctor than 10, mm-hmm. you know, um, which I thought was interesting. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, like, I wonder why they may have shifted that later on. And I wonder if we'll, we'll find out, um, what happened there, uh, with that, uh, that change, that shift. Um, I don't know. Really just impressed with David Tennant in this episode. Um, because, you know, I, I think Don is great in this. Um, I think Catherine Tate does a killer job. Um, but, uh, she's not having to spin as many plates as David Tennant is mm-hmm. in this 
I don't think, um, in terms of like the lore and right. everything. Uh, and so, yeah, there's just a lot going on um, with the 14th Doctor in this. And I was just like kind of struck by all of that while we were while watching the episode. Um, but yeah, TARDIS disappears and they're like, okay, well, here's the deal with the TARDIS. When it senses really bad danger, it bails and only comes back when the danger's gone. So we got to get rid of the danger and then the, the TARDIS will come back. And so that's the plan. Um, they're like normal episode from here on out. <laughs> we just kind of initiated. Yeah, we just got to solve the problem. <laughs> yep, just yeah. Get, yeah, yeah, that's actually really. I hadn't thought about it like that, but it like distills the whole premise of the show down to like an element, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, it's good. Um, yeah, uh, what do we think about uh, about the little robot guy? Great. Okay. <laughs> Cass? It's a good robot. I like how round and friend-shaped he is. Yeah. That's yeah. True. Yeah. It's a little rusty, uh, but that's good. I liked how he was clearly, like, there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, the ship, the background of the ship, like, the, the big tunnel that they're mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Hella, hella spy kids. Yes. I, uh, yeah. I Definitely. Definitely. Um, I was like, I can't believe I'm going to tell this to Scott about a second thing in one week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's very, very Spy Kids. And it's uh, in the behind the scenes thing. I mean, the only thing that was real was the floor um, mm-hmm. and the robot. Uh, and then the yes. panels that they were on, that they were climbing on, and then it was flipping around. Those were also practical. But everything around the little hexagon shape that spun around was green screen. It looks everything. so good. It did look good. I do think that it looked good, and I think that it uh, it was very Spy Kids, though. It definitely <laughs> was. Spy Kids revival, redemption. Yeah. But it accentuated how much I think that robot was like, oh, that's a real practical robot there. That's mm. really cool. For sure. For sure. Um, what did we think about the first scene where, like, how long did it take you guys to clock that we weren't going back and forth between like past and future with the two conversations going on between the doctor and Donna in those two locations. Um, as soon as it went over to where the doctor was still working in that other room, I was like, Oh no, 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 this is not good. (laughs) Oh, okay. Some of the best editing I have ever seen in an episode of television, mm-hmm. let alone Doctor Who, mm-hmm. because so much of editing is subconscious mm-hmm. with, without you realizing it. So much so that our brains have now kind of mutated to understand stuff cinematically because we watch so much movies. Mm-hmm. But like just the way I just knew something was off in a really unsettling way because that's not how editing is supposed to work. And then it's like, wait, why is the frame different? Or like, was this in the past? When did this happen? And that level of disorienting, like, wait, where, when is this? Where are we? Who am I? Wait, oh my God, am I watching two sets of characters? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, crazy. And again, I was like, am I having a seizure? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that in this, uh, a lot mm-hmm. of that feeling. Um, yeah. And then we, so then we meet the doubles because their arms are too long. Uh, I hated and, that. Uh, I hated that part. 
yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty messed up stuff. Um, but also still very Spy Kids. Uh, yeah, to be perfectly yeah, honest, that's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that kind of added, you know, uh, Cass compared it to like how like sometimes like lo-fi, bad on purpose, or kind of like. It's interesting how I guess like you know what we're talking about Spy Kids. That's like twenty years old at this point. But like when the doctor did, or when the when the not thing doctor did its like weird Exorcist crawl, yeah, mm-hmm. it it felt like I was back into the two thousands watching RTD one, but in like this really unsettling kitschy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. There is like I like. Uh, like I mentioned last week with um with with Beep the Meep, uh I just think that like Rusty Davies has figured out how to balance his camp appropriately without like taking you out of the show mm. in any way. Um and, and and I don't know if that's I don't know if that's like the visual effects have finally caught up, so now like it doesn't look as cheesy as it used to or what it is, but whatever it is, it's like working perfectly. Um, cause it's still campy, but it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't quite get to that level of like cheesiness or anything like that. Like this was like genuinely unsettling, <laughs> but it's still a little bit moisturized me. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. God, could you imagine with these visual effects? <laughs> oh man. Um, I think the most <laughs> useful way to talk about this episode, cause we do get a bit like, what is a scene or like, when are we is the scene kind of become, become this episode becomes a series of conversations mm-hmm. between a real version of the doctor and Donna and a fake version of doctor and Donna. And the real ones have to suss out or we, the viewer have to suss out, which is the real one and which is the not thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And the way they do that is by interrogating each other and asking really personal character centric questions about who they are and what they're afraid of. And so I think the brilliance of this episode, it is so weird and out there and, and, and sometimes even goofy, but it all goes back to these two friends talking and we learn, we get to learn about 14 and we get to learn about what these 15 years meant to Donna. And I was like, Oh, this is the goods. Mm -hmm. This is really Mm -hmm. great. Yeah. Well, while we're talking about that, let's talk about, uh, the timeless child and flux and <laughs> all of that stuff because I I have to say and I know I'm seeing mixed responses to this um to the fact that it was even brought up because everyone wanted him to just drop it I I respect the hell out of Russell T Davies saying like no 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 I'm not doing what I did last time and I'm not doing what Stephen Moffat did when he took over the show and we're not doing what Chibnall did when he took over the show. I am saying everything that you watched for the past 15 years, like that matters. Yeah. And it's like, we're, we're, we're in it. Like th- this is like, this is a thing um, now. And we're just going to have to figure out how to deal with that. Uh, and <laughs> I love that. I respect the hell out yeah. of that. I just think that's really cool. He's never had to follow anyone before. And so it's so cool, other than all of Classic Who, right? <laughs> um, and he had a d- he sort of had a different uh, marching orders in 2005, which was like, no, we want this to be as clean of a start over, of a refresh, of a reboot as possible. Um, and so now he's like, well, if I come back, I want to do the opposite of that. I don't want to dance around history. I just want to go. 
Um, and I love that. I think that this, uh, I, I mean, who knows if he's ever going to try and pay it off or, you know, mess with it at all, or if he's just going to, you know, leave it alone and just say like, do what Chibnall was intending, which was like that we know too much about the doctor's past. And so he's not like the doctor isn't a mystery anymore. So let's turn them into a mystery and I think everyone was coming, including, I think, me at the time, and maybe you guys, I don't know. But I think we were all going into that just being like, all right, you better have some answers, Chibnall, or you're going to get what for. <laughs> and I think now, in retrospect, it's just like, no, I just really wanted the Doctor to be mysterious again, and now he is. So give him a pat on his own back, you know? <laughs> um, and, and so who knows? Will we ever get this paid off in any way whatsoever? I don't know. But I love that Russell T. Davies is like, no, I'm going to keep it. Um, it's it's a thing now. Deal with it. Uh, what did you guys think? Um, yeah. No, I, I stand corrected. Like, you know, because I, I, I talked multiple times about how I felt like a lot of 13's run didn't matter. Um, and and I'm actually really shocked. <laughs> I was, like, shocked when he mentioned it. Um, I It feels like a reward a little bit like for for people who have stuck with the show the entire time like mm-hmm. and i i honestly hope that they revisit it because i'm way more interested in 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 russell t's take on that material than i am in chibnall's take on that material um <laughs> but i i think it's like it's a really i think i'm i'm more excited now about um what 15 is going going to be like um like dealing with it and exploring um because because that is on the table again um yeah because like we like we came around on like the timeless child thing like we did we okay if i remember correctly like we all we all kind of like that i so. know nick i know nick did i don't remember how i felt about it um i don't okay, think that was the, that was a thing that you didn't like about that era of the show oh okay okay cool i um, i think it was more just like the way everything was executed <laughs> yeah, yeah okay yeah, yeah. yeah that's I, that's that's fair pascott um I, uh <laughs> I no but, but something to the effect of this is i don't like that they're doing this to the doctor this is dumb uh-huh. it was like i want the story to be better i want the episode to be better yeah right. okay fair enough um i going to say just to respond to something Cass said before um i i i, I let you talk nick um you said uh, it feels like a reward for people who've been watching the show this whole time, and I agree yeah. with that. But it also feels like Russell T. Davies being like, "Hey, I know some of you started watching during thirteen, and I know that some yeah. of you are diehard thirteens, yeah. and I'm just here to tell you in a very soft voice, comforting voice, everything's fine. This is how Doctor Who works, and your <laughs> era matters." And it's not yeah. going anywhere. So right. chill. <laughs> chill, everybody. Um, like I It think... very much feels that way, and I think that that's cool, too. Yeah. I guess I, guess I shouldn't have been surprised, though, because, like, Ruth is in all the, the, like, the Doctor Who, like, promotional material now. Like, she's in the lineup. So, like, Ooh. I guess, you know? She's yeah. a Disney princess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Nick, what did you think about all the Flux stuff? It's so crazy that last week we, we talked about how each of the three modern showrunners are very sort of self-effacing about their their own era of the show Mm -hmm. where they think of what they did as fanfic and everything else is like proper doctor who. Mm -hmm. And 
So to like to have watched a video on my phone of those three dudes sharing like a, a coffee table together, and then to see through through the page, Russell T Davies like shaking hands with Chibnall's era and saying, "Hey, I know this is an insecurity of yours because it is for me. Your hell yeah, your thing is canon. Yeah, it it mattered the work you did on the show, and I'm canonizing it now." Mm-hmm is you know as a writer it 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 left me very like warm hearted yeah um but then also going back to what scott said about i re- i'm just nerding out so hard about 14 being his own doctor mm-hmm. mm-hmm. cuz like a doctor doing a remix of one of his old identities is just so delicious to me yeah um mm-hmm. so giving tenet as an actor being like hey all this time travel the stuff that jody's doctor went through that mattered to this dude and he's still very much in the process of dealing with it. Right. And because like that's something different than 10 had to do. Because like, do you I don't think you would want to just be be 10 again. That's kind of exciting as an actor to get to be a different kind of dude. For sure. Being. For sure. Um, um, so he but he seemed like I guess on a character standpoint, he seemed very like. I don't know. I don't know what it means that I'm the timeless child or that I had to. I did have to Google what happened in flux, but half the universe <laughs> so because i was like when what was the flux and the flux was like a natural disaster that had been unleashed by i'm about to unlock you guys' brains the division remember the division yeah the secret gallifreyan (laughs) black ops kind of program yeah run by tech Tayun, the doctor's mom yes right (laughs) yes of course so how can I the possibly flux, forget? <laughs> so the flux wiped out half the universe and the doctor feels a lot of residual guilt, a lot of guilt about that because they're like, why well, was the reason the flux was even created? Right. Right. I, um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, also I, I, I just going back to the Chibnall thing and the handshake mm-hmm. that you talked about, the metaphorical handshake between eras, um, I also want to remind everybody that uh, while there have been rumors of, of, like we talked about this last week, while there have been rumors that Moffat is writing an episode in the new series, which hasn't been announced yet, um, Chibnall has said, I have no idea what's going on in the new, in the new era at all. I'm going to be watching it like a fan, like everyone else, because I'm not involved at all. So I'm just imagining Chibnall watching this episode live and then just getting yeah. hit in the face by his buddy being like, no, your thing mattered. Don't worry. I just like, I don't, I, I don't, I really don't like his era and I get chuffed thinking. About I know that. that's so wholesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, that's so amazing. Um, and uh, I just think that that's, I think that's rad. So um, I just wanted to mention that because that was the mental image that was hitting my mind while Nick was talking. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, yeah. Chibnall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, uh, he has to know a little bit of how divisive his era is, even if he's like not on the internet or on Twitter. It's kind of like in the ratings were the ratings. But yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, it's really yeah. wholesome. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't remember if that conversation happens before or after they're in the bridge. And they see the horse face alien. Um, the captain? Yeah, the captain. I think uh, it's before. 
It's it's before. Okay, so we go to the we end up in the bridge eventually. Um, they figured out that like the more that they think through a problem or whatever, the more the people are the the copies are like learning how to become them because they want to replace them basically mm-hmm. to get off the ship. Um, but they see the captain sort of like float by. It's like a horse skull. It's a very like obvious like horse skull. It's Beta Ray Bill. But what's interesting, that's the thing. So what's interesting is that okay. I've seen a lot of people complain about this and be like, ugh, it's just a horse skull. Everybody knows. If you know what a horse skull looks like, you know that that's just a horse skull. And it's like an unaltered horse skull. Um, and uh, obviously watching this with my wife, uh, who's very- uh, Who knows you know, her horse skulls. Know, knows her horse stuff. She was like, oh, it's like, a, it's like a horse astronaut. Spent the rest of the episode being like, ooh, I can't wait to see what the horse, the horse captain looked oh, like. No. And then we just never- got to see we never got to see her unfortunately Aww. um so she was very disappointed about that i but, have to press the button <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but uh uh i will say credit where credit's due going back to that behind the scenes thing they did so show some early concept art and uh the captain is a horse skull so that was always the plan. So it's not like they just got whatever they could get and just like used that in the episode. It was like, it was always the plan that like, apparently she's like a horse face alien and I don't know, whatever. I love we got, that. Wait, we got talking cats uh, in, yeah. in, in, in the last RTD era. So why can't there be talking horses? <laughs> you know, what was the, uh, were they, did they think they, d- the BBC dug up like a real horse skull? Well, or is it, that it was campy, like too too weird. I don't know. I just saw that people were like rolling their eyes at it. That they were just like, "Ugh, God, that's so lame." Uh, that, another that, horse skull. That, well, yeah, they were just they, they just thought it was lame that it was just a horse skull. That it wasn't like an alien skull or something. That it's like, oh, it's oh. just a horse skull. You Do know? You, okay. Um, because they still film in Wales, right? Well, they started filming there again with this. Oh, okay. New, okay. Th- these specials. is it? Is that supposed to be like uh like a like a Mary Lude reference, like the horse skull thing. Like they do the Christmas horse skull and then there's like a rap, like there's, okay. So the, so the Welsh, (laughs) they have this tradition where they have like a horse skull on a stick and they deck it out in like, uh, holiday stuff. And then they go like door to door and they like, there's like a traditional song. Um, and if the, the, the horse skull thing, um, like wins the the song, they take all your booze, um, and that happens in like December. So, like, is that Cass? I don't think I've ever loved you more. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, I'm not making this up. I, know I don't. You are. I don't I know, know if are. it's like I don't know if I'm actually communicating like the specifics of this correctly. But like, <laughs> oh, you painted a very vivid picture. I can I it's can like, see it. It's yeah. like you know those um. Those fake like riding horse toys with like the stick and then it's a horse head on a stick. It's like yeah. that, but it's a skull. And they <laughs> yeah, but they but they paint it and decorate it. Yeah, they like decorate it and then like once like it someone like manipulates it like a puppet and then they basically like do like a sing song back and forth and then if the thing wins it they like go in and take all your booze. <laughs> That's wild. The uh, <laughs> the American Southwest also that does the skull art. Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, I have no idea where this tradition comes from. I have no idea, like, how it started or why. But, like, I kind of love it. And I'm wondering if that's, like, why it's a horse skull. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Um, that's no that wild. <laughs> <laughs> but 
I guess in defense of it being just like a random alien, I think it being a horse skull, a hor- the audience can be like, oh, okay, cool, horse alien. I, I can. Yeah. Whereas if it was like just a weird nothing sci-fi shape, it might not register the way that like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I think what it was is like I think people would have wanted something more akin because we're at the edge of the universe. I think people probably uh. wanted something <laughs> something more akin to like. Um, what are there? So it's like more esoteric, like like the like, space jockeys and alien, you know? Yeah, we were like, what the hell are these? Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, especially with how big that corridor is, like you could imagine a much larger alien being there. Um, which, a giant uh, horse, if you will. Yeah, giant <laughs> horse. Yes. That been, yes, but yeah, I don't know. Um, so, so I, I have a question. Yeah. Um. And, and this is a plot question. Did the horse astronaut, I didn't get the impression that her and her crew were from the edge of space, but that she had traveled to the edge of space. Right. They got caught there. They got, they pull, yes. got pulled through a black hole or whatever. Pulled in a time slip. Right. Right. <laughs> um, um, I don't know if she was alone previously or what. And I don't think we find out where these things came from. Right. Were they the not things? Yeah. Were the not things from the edge of space or did they? They, yeah, they explicitly say that they're from um, like the nothingness. Oh, okay. They're from over the edge. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Okay. Because um, that's why they don't have any concept of like shape or. Right. Oh, hmm. That's interesting. Okay. Well, hold on. I'm pull- I'm pulling. Now I need to pull some threads because so sure. they are these not things from beyond the edge of space, from a place that no one has ever been before. Mm-hmm. And they come here and they don't know how to like form themselves or like figure out like what form they are. And so they're kind of like everything and nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's also describing the doctor as the timeless child in a way. Wow. Because, Boom. Because we don't know where the doctor comes from. We don't know what species they are. Now that we know that they're not Gallifreyan. Right. um, And the regeneration thing comes naturally to the Doctor versus Time Lords who are given that power by other Time Lords. So that's interesting. There's something. I feel like there's something there that was going on with with what Russell T. Davies was writing about in this episode. That's great. I love I I've only seen the episode once, so I'm 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 misquoting, but at one point, not thing doctor has some sort of line where he says, like, we've been watching from the other side, like you're we are your reflection, or like we're a mirror. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, the idea of from a character standpoint, the not the not things representing how the doctor views themselves at the moment of like yeah. my whole identity is in flux. I don't even know what my gender is or which what, what what space do I take up. Mm-hmm. Right. Man. That's good. I like that. <laughs> For sure. I don't know. It's cool. Um okay, so uh they basically come to the conclusion that so this whole time they've been talking about loud the only thing that's happened in the past 3 years is that an airlock door opened and then closed. They've been talking about this whole time. <laughs> Three years ago. And they keep talking about like, oh, that must have been where these thi- when these things got on the ship or whatever. And like, I don't know about you guys, but as soon as they mentioned that, I was like, oh, that's when the 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 people that were on this ship like killed themselves. Um, mm. That's I, I, I just assumed immediately that that's what happened. 
Um, but uh, it took them a long time to get there in the episode. But uh, they figure out that like when the when the, the horse lady kind of scoots past the the front window, they're like, "Oh, that was the what the airlock thing was. It was her killing herself. Well, why would she do that?" And then they figure out that she set up like a trap for these not things of a slow motion self-destruct sequence where she sets up this robot to push the instant self-destruct button, but like to do it over the course of like three years, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is completely insane. Like that's, uh, that's, that's a pretty wild concept. And, and I mean this as, as a compliment because it's very much a Russell T Davies episode, but it feels very much like a, Moffity twist reveal, um, you know. Even though, like, this is this doesn't really feel like a Moffity episode necessarily. Well, I could I could be incorrect. So tell yeah. me if I'm wrong. But could you accurately describe what the horse captain did as like a much smaller scale heaven sent plan? Hmm. Just. I mean, I I guess so. Having the patience to do something over a, a, a long extended period of time. Well, but but she killed herself immediately right. upon setting okay. the trap. Um, yes. Yeah. So, I'm thinking of the robot walking slowly over the course of three years. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's more it's more the robot is the is the heaven sent. He's the one doing a heaven sent. Yeah. He's he's the one punching the wall uh, uh, once every uh, yeah once every day for a million years or whatever it is. I think that's one. Hell of a bird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's cool. What do we think about, first of all, what do we think about the Mrs. Bean thing and and that being the final question that tricks the doctor into letting the other one on board? Um, and also, do we think he deliberately chose the wrong one or do you think his plan all along was like i have no idea what the what what the correct answer to this is so i'm just pulling one in randomly and uh measuring its arms (laughs) (laughs) i don't know because i think like the drive to explain humor it comes across as like not like human you know like like you know, it's funny because it is like, you know, like it's it's like difficult to like explain why a joke is funny, I think. Right. So I I don't know. I like the idea that because knowing knowing that that wasn't the real Donna, you're like, right. oh, I get it. Real Donna was really nervous. So she actually did try to explain to the joke. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And fake Donna was like, it just is. I'm just, you know, like I'll 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 do some and like. That's what only only real Donna would say that. Yeah. But and then what Scott's saying, the idea of like he was just like he's that smart. He knew, but his plan was to get the fake Donna on first and then slide her out of the TARDIS. Or it's like, oh shit, I got the wrong one. Well hold on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think the plan was always to test whichever Donna he brought on board with the arm okay. measurement thing. Mm. Um and if it was the right arm measurement, then he's like, Well, Sure, hope you're the real thing, but but then uh, you know measuring that one, seeing that it was off, he was like, "Oh, okay, I got the wrong one. No big deal. I'll get the right one." Um, this is a time machine, after all. It's fair. So, yeah. Uh, Cass, since you're not on Twitter, um, someone 
made a tweet where it was like, wow, I can't believe Donna's dead. R.A.P. Donna Noble, I- iconic character. And it was just the shot of fake Donna getting blasted with the flames. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, this is two Donna fake outs in a row. Mm. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Don't do that to me. <laughs> just want to point Don't, that out. No, 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 no. <laughs> Did either of you watch the promo for next week? I did not. No, I didn't. Uh, I did. Um, it just, it, it, it's just, it was just like an amalgam, like a, like a combination of okay. clips f- that we've already seen before. Like, okay. There wasn't anything okay. new in it. Um, so it's, you know, like I'm just him. thinking about in the old days, they maybe would have like, and one of these two will die. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, you already know. You already know it's going to be him. But uh, No, no. The only thing I, oh, okay. That's, that's true. The only new images in the thing is a shot of 14th starting to regenerate um and a shot of shooty gatwa on the uh, in the uh, the tardis console room wearing part of um 14th outfit Ooh. um that's it and it was like and it was like it was like you know like he's a coming or whatever whatever it said <laughs> i forget but it was something like that um he's uh Come. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me wonder if uh if next week's episode is going to be like feature length. Cuz I don't know how they can get through everything they need to get through with like the plot of next week's episode in addition to dealing with whatever is going to go on with this regeneration process. Um feels like a lot to do in an hour. Mhm. Has there ever been a mid episode regeneration? Uh, uh, I mean, not counting stolen earth. Um, I don't think so. Okay. Where, like, for example, like 14's like, well, smoke him if you got him. And then he regenerates. <laughs> no. And then Chudy got was like, all right, time to finish, time to beat Neil Patrick Harris. Let's do it. And then, like, he's the one that. Gets it to the to the finish line. No, that would be cool, and that would certainly be a like like only time that's ever happened kind of deal, and would make sense because looking forward to the church on uh, Ruby Road, the Christmas special, um, it seems like fifteen is like fully formed, ready to go. Like it's not like a regeneration episode. Like it feels very, mm. um. I don't know. Like, it just feels like he's like done. Like he's, he's done cooking already and like ready to go on to his first big adventure, you know? Um, so that's, that would be cool. If that's what, if that's what the, like, we've never done this before thing is, that would be rad. That would be pretty rad. A mid episode regeneration. That would be cool. What if, what if, remember in that, uh, that big, uh, that big blockbuster trailer where like the celestial toy maker shows up in like a, like a helicopter or a jet with like a bunch of like guns. What if he just blows the 14th doctor away and he regenerates on that roof? <laughs> like just right then and there. Oh my God. Just goes down in a hail of bullets. Like yeah. seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you like David Tennant. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. That's funny. T- totally unceremoniously. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I'm do you down. think uh, if Donna witnesses the regeneration, do you think she'll make reference to, like, 
like asking him like do you have any body parts laying around we could do that thing again um (laughs) that'd be funny yeah last time i was here we we had a solution to this problem um i don't know anyway i'm trying to think of any other meaningful like conversations that they had before we move on to like speculation theory chap part of the show well we should talk about wilf right um oh, oh yeah. my god of course absolutely yeah. uh which which by the way this is really sad uh but this is the last we will see of wilf he is not in the giggle and he no. was supposed to be in the giggle but his health got took a bad turn after filming oh, the scene no. and he died kind of shortly thereafter um so he is not in the giggle this was the last time That's we will sad. ever see him unfortunately um it was it was beautiful though. Like I loved the scene. I loved like ah oh, man. Just like first of all, I love the setup earlier where where Donna's like talking about how like if I never get to go back, this is what it's going to look like. Everybody's going to move on except for my grandpa who's going to be sitting in the mm-hmm. spot where the TARDIS was with a thermos just waiting and hoping that I'm going to come back. Um and he'll be there every day and then when they do come back there he is waiting and I just thought that was Typical Wilf and also like adorable and sweet and 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 so amazing. But the look on Wilf's mm-hmm. face when he sees fourteen, the sense of like shock and like yes, like oh my gosh, I'm like seeing my friend again and this and this guy that like I look up to a lot, this like hero of mine. But also the guilt that he has probably had this whole time because he was the cause of Ten's regeneration. <gasps> To see that face again, I probably, like, I mean, his heart probably just, like, burst out of his chest in that moment. And I just think that that's, it's beautiful to give that character that sort of moment of, like, hey, it was all okay in the end. Everything's okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because you just know he felt guilty as hell uh, this whole time for, like, 15 years. So. It made me teary. Like, it was really, really good to see him again and, like. I was hoping that he was going to be in the next one, and that makes me really sad that he's not. But like, I'm I'm glad that they were able to at least film this so that he has like like closure. Um, because I don't know, Wolf's great. Yeah, and going back to it, it feels just going back to what we talked about last week with the Star Beast of it just always felt for those 15 years like there was unfinished business with the nobles. Yeah. Hmm that there was stuff left to revisit and now enough time had passed that yeah, it really the magic only doctor who can do this or yeah. When Wolf sees 14 and sees his doctor again, mm-hmm. like the catharsis and the relief and the joy and the fact that we've traveled that journey of time with him because, you know, we watch this story every couple of Christmases, you know, we, mm-hmm. that, that iconic scene with, with Bernard Cribbins and David Tennant in the diner, you know, which is some of the best acting I think who's ever had. And yeah, like, yeah. And then like the magic of when the, his dialogue of like, nothing is in the world is wrong. Everything is right because you're here. Wolf. it's, I was like, that is exactly what my heart is saying right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, yeah. yeah, it was like healing stuff almost weirdly from like just seeing this happen again. And like, Oh my God, we can, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, it's and then, also everything's on fire and people are yeah, running around. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, it's like, yeah, uh, so funny story about everything being great. Uh, nope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's actually really scary and we all need you to help. Things <laughs> are horrible now, Doctor. They're terrible. Look at them. They're just fighting. There's no reason for it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! So I was I was really expecting a uh, a Neil Patrick Harris tease, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I kind of was too. Like coming up on like a TV or something, Mm -hmm. um, like the Master. Yeah, right. Yeah. Ooh. So, Cass, we've been talking about how this this trilogy is sort of a a gumbo, sort of a cosmic gumbo of (laughs) New Who. Right. Um, what what elements, what shows could you see the giggle, like, trying to catch or hone in on or, or reference? I mean, like, it's it's the finale, right? So, like, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. all of those crazy two-parters where, where <laughs> or three-parters <laughs> in, in the case of, of uh, Series 3, where, like, it... Like everything that can possibly happen is probably going to happen, you know, you know, because like an airplane crashed like again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting big end of time vibes. Yeah. Um, from this, uh, you know, one, you've got like a big, wacky, charismatic villain. Um, I'm very curious to see how they differentiate the celestial toy maker from just an iteration of the master. Um, like how they make him different, uh, is, is, I'm interested to see what that is. Um, I'm interested to see the explanation as to like why he's younger now than he was the last time we saw him. Mm. Um, and for you, Nick, I'll be very curious to see how it works for you. Having never seen the celestial toy maker episode. Um, and you won't see it for a very long time because it's one of like the last handful of first doctor stories. It's like <laughs> it's like it's like his third from the end or something like that. Like it's it's one of the very last ones. I mean, going back to history, this whole era is history repeating itself. It is very much like me being going back to 2008 and finding out who the master is through the, the John Saxon episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That is true. But I agree with you though. Like he can't just be like I'm also like the Joker. Like like right. what makes him different? Yeah. <laughs> and it better not just be that he's the Riddler because that's barely different from the Joker. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> In most cases. Um uh yeah, uh, I'm curious about that. Um so uh, in terms of theories, I did want to throw out one theory that I thought of while um while watching this episode, so the uh, the the discussion of uh, of flux and the timeless child and all of that came up, and we're wondering like, oh, is that going to come back into play into the plot, or you know, I I my feeling is like, or maybe like it's just there to be like, oh, the doctor's a mystery again, and that we'll just leave it at that. We don't need to like dwell on it, whatever. But if they did choose to dwell on it, and they decided to like make it part of the plot next season and make it part of 15's journey. Um, and, and I think the re the thing that I thought of, the reason I thought of this was like, um, we were talking when, when I had the revelation that like the thematic sort of relevance of the timeless child and the, the not things or whatever. Um, 
what if 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 the Ronnie is indeed the villain of the next season of the show, what if the thing that they do is that they all they make the Ronnie also from the same place, and that's how they differentiate her from the master is like it's like that, and that's why she's coming back now mm. is because she's like. Yeah, no, we have this thing in common. I didn't know you were from there either, but I am also from there. We're from the same place. And, like, that's how they make her different from the master who is, at the end of the day, just Gallifreyan. Is there any way that when the doctor became aware, they maybe like, when you became online, when you remembered, I remembered, and yeah. I had no, no one was holding my fucking hand. Right, that that's happened. true. Yeah, that would be cool. Huh. Yeah. Um, and it would be cool because it would add a layer to the few times that we've seen her before, which is that, you know, and, and the big complaint with the Ronnie is that, like, she's not that much different from the master, except that she does more, like, science experiments and she's got, like, a bunch of weird shit in jars and all that stuff. But, like, if she is from another universe and that's where her interest in all of this comes from. Of, like, treating this universe like a giant science experiment. It's sort of like, I don't know. I feel like there's yeah. something there that you could massage and turn into a new take on that character. That differentiates her from just, like, being a female master. Especially post-Missy. Right. Where it's just like, now it feels really redundant. But, like, maybe we can figure out a way to massage it so it doesn't feel that way anymore. Huh. I don't know. Any thoughts? Thoughts? Feelings? Cass is doing on it. Yeah, I, I, because when, because when you first started talking, I was like, no, I don't think I like that. But now I'm like thinking about it. I'm like that, that could be very interesting. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it would fully depend on what it was, right? right? Like right. what? Because I don't have the take. I'm just pulling at some threads and right. seeing if there there's something potentially there if they wanted to go there I think mm-hmm. um, but it would take massaging and it would have like you know I'm sure if, if Russell decided to do that he has like a take on that right? Um, whatever that is but it was just something that I thought of like I feel like he would remind people of that if he wasn't going to do something with it right? Um, but who knows I don't know Nick do you have any thoughts you barely remember like to- the Ronnie <laughs> Yeah, clearly. Yeah, geez, Louise. Um, I was like, turned into the Mr. Krabs meme when that happened. <laughs> I have something between a prediction and a wish I would like to say on air before we go into the giggle next week. Okay. So, you know, when I, you know, talking about the end of time and like how crazy and campy those finales were, I want something, I want RTD to do something that is on the level of Barack Obama's going to do a speech that's going to fix the world economy <laughs> or the deal or no deal robot or the with the weakest link robot I'm sorry yeah or like big brother just something really gaudy and UK <laughs> and half baked you know what I mean yeah sure like like he goes like he loves goes to love island for a scene <laughs> sure (laughs) oh that's funny oh man i that i every time i think about i like every time i watch end of time i'm like god this was 
This was so long ago. This like literally like almost 15 years ago at this point. And it's Barack Obama. And I'm like, man, that doesn't feel like that long ago. Right. So wild. (laughs) Uh, It feels like it should be like like, uh, you know, George Bush Jr. Um, But it's Mm. it's it's not it's because that was even longer ago. Man, Mm -hmm. crazy. Anyway, um, (laughs) time. We're old now, Uh, Scott. It comes for all of us. Uh, that's what anyway. Doctor Who is about. Yep. <laughs> um, no, that's really that's that's really funny. I I or 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 um, I was also thinking like uh, when you were talking, I thought you were going to reference like uh, something like crazy and outlandish, like that time when uh, the master's like eating all those cheeseburgers. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> just like uh, hunched over on a bench <laughs> eating like 17 cheeseburgers <laughs> or um when, when when Cass was talking about how weird the finales were the first image that popped in my head was uh the doctor as a little old man yes oh yes right. golem yes. potato doctor my <laughs> yeah um like, or the or the want... or the master dancing to the dandy warhols oh. yeah like I kind of want something cursed. Yeah, <laughs> something cursed. <laughs> uh, bring us something cursed. Cursed. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris. I mean, it's not unreasonable to think we might be getting a Celestial Toymaker musical number. That's actually true. God, like I hope so. Uh, that's actually true. Um, yeah. So that could be the cursed thing, certainly. Um, <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, I am looking forward to next week. Yeah. I think it should be a big, uh, banger of an episode. That's what everybody, that's what, that's what David Tennant and, uh, Russell T Davies say is that it's just like, it's, it goes ham for sure. That's what they said. It's like a big blockbuster. So nice. Yeah. There was a, can't remember when, but there was a point towards the end of this episode towards the end of wild blue yonder mm-hmm. where it hit me that he's going to read the 14 is going to regenerate next week mm-hmm. and i was bummed i yeah, was like, kind of gutted mm. yep and i'm like that that's totally the point you know that has to be the point right but it's like god like we're just getting to know this character yeah i kind part of me kind of hopes I think that's why I'm trying to make the regeneration more weird than it's probably going to be because I kind of want to like delegitimize 14 in some way because it makes me too sad that he only has three adventures and then regenerates again. Yeah. Um, I think that's why I, I want it to be like a weird regeneration because I don't want I don't want 14 to be real if that's, you know, if that's the if that's the situation, you know. Um, cause yeah, I will miss him. It makes me sad. It definitely bumps me out. Cass, any thoughts? I, I don't know. I, I mean, like it is sad in the way that a regeneration is always sad, but like, I, I, I think I'm just like enjoying these three adventures and then like, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I am ready to like dig into, to 15, you know? Sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm and I'm excited for 15. I'm yeah. absolutely excited for 15. Um it would just be cool. I think, you know, and we'll see, like maybe I'll feel differently um next week after we watch that episode and it's just like, oh man, yeah, no, we got everything we could possibly want from this guy. Um but like mm. I, it would have been cool to have like 
like a, even if it was like twice as many episodes, like if it was like six specials, mm. like a six episode series with this doctor where it's a little more like eccleston of like a, mm. a one and done season. Um, but there's something about like just three episodes that doesn't quite feel satisfying. Uh, the last thing I'll say, because it popped in my head listening to you, Scott, is um, uh, they in, in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, there's the character uh, that some people, that animators called R.I. Peter. Yeah. The, the one who dies. Yeah. And the kind of meta thing of that guy was that he was so, he was the best Spider-Man. <laughs> yes. He was like, he had it all figured out. He had the be- work balance, work-life balance in check. He had a great relationship with MJ. Yeah. And he was great at being, he was the best at being Spider-Man. And then he dies. And right. It's a tragedy. Right. And I was like, what if 14 is like, he's emotionally available. <laughs> he's, he's open. He, he communicates with his loved ones. And he's like, he's like re- ready to do all the work and get into it. And then it's like, boop, gun down by the celestial toy maker. <laughs> Uh... I think that's why I liked that this middle episode was just the two of them. Mm-hmm. Like it was just an hour of of David Tennant and Catherine Tate doing yeah. what they do best, yeah. you know? Like and so it doesn't feel like after watching that it doesn't really feel like I'm I'm being like robbed of anything, you know? Like because like we hit like all of these emotional beats mm-hmm. and and like we kind of like re we like revisited all of these these things that make these characters who they are Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um like back to back to back Mm -hmm. where you know if they'd had a normal season like that would have just been like spread out over like six episodes or 12 episodes right right so i guess that's true it was kind of like micro dosing yeah 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 (laughs) i guess that's true i guess that's true um, like we would have killed for an episode like this between the doctor and yaz back in the day for sure for sure um uh absolutely Chibnall? i kind of wish <laughs> i wish i i kind of wish Chibnall had just jettisoned all of the plot from everything that he ever did during that era and just made us uh, uh, uh like very very simple adventures about a bunch of characters talking to each other because that's what he is best at and i wish he yeah. knew that um uh i don't know i don't know i don't know if either of you watch broad church but i i i did and that's i watched watched, the first season yeah and that's yeah i watched the first season that's what that show is you know it's a bunch of people talking to each other and like yeah like that would have been that would have been great and in fact maybe chibnall's best episode of doctor who is the power of three which is again doctor and companions just hanging out for most of that show that Mm -hmm. that most of that episode so you know um being mad domestic like, can you imagine if, if, and I know we liked this one at the time, but like the Dalek time loop episode was just the doctor and Yaz in a time loop yeah. trying to figure out what's going yeah. on and like breaking down like their, their problems yeah. and, and whatever, you know? Absolutely. Huh. Yeah. That, that's so great. That remind, I had a morning, morning afterthought today of like, got so much of, of the Chibnall era, even at the end was Yaz being like, we need to talk doctor. I would love to talk about this emotional stuff. And doctor being like, out of the way, I got to do, you know, fuck off, right. I got to do this. <laughs> and yeah. in this episode, they couldn't, they literally couldn't leave the room until they talked about their shit. Mm-hmm. And for it to be Donna mm-hmm. and being like, it's oh, like ah, like finally, like it, it, the doctor can't run anymore. He has to start processing some of the onslaught of new that they're dealing with, right? You mm-hmm. know, right. 
Yeah. So, yeah, really great stuff. Ah, anyway, Doctor Who, it feels so nice to talk about the show again. It really does. I know. I didn't think this episode would be that long. (laughs) See, I told you you were worried about it at the beginning, and I said, don't worry about it. (laughs) Um, Anyway, great episode. Can't wait for next week. And we will be back next Sunday with another new episode um, to talk about The Giggle. Uh, That is one that I will not be waiting to watch. I'll be... I'll be there in front of my TV like as soon as it drops because um, I don't want to I don't want to yeah, mess. I don't want to get spoiled. I don't want to get spoiled with that. And I might try watching it twice um, before we record just because. Um, so, yeah. Anyway. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, uh, join the Discord. Lots of cool stuff happening over there. Lots of uh, discussion now that we're back. People are mm-hmm. very happy. Everyone was so patient. We adore you all. Um, and I'm so glad uh, that the show is back. And, yeah. We're back again next week. And then a few weeks after that. Isn't that exciting? That's, that's so, so exciting. That's so good. <laughs> that's the best. Um, anyway. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.